Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, May 20th, 2021. Let me take you on a trip today to the wilderness of Judah. It is not the coolest place you've ever been. It is hot. It is dry. And because it's hot and dry, it's pretty sparse. Not a lot of people uh, live there. That's why it is the wilderness, because you are out there where there's not a lot of natural resources. It's not really a place that you want to spend too much time if today you were to go and to visit Israel. Uh, There are some bright spots, however, in this wilderness. We read about one of them today, actually, a place called En Gedi. It was actually one of my favorite stories the first time I was able to take my wife to Israel. We we go to En Gedi, which is kind of this valley that leads right into the Dead Sea. And she is like, what in the world are we doing here? It is hot. It is dry. It is sparse, but I'm like, trust me, let's, let's go on a hike, go on a hike. What in the world? Why would we go on a, want to go on a hike in this hot, dry wilderness? Well, as you start to go up, um, and Getty, and you start to go up this valley, right? You start to come to a place where you start seeing more life and uh, you, you start seeing water and even waterfalls and pools and, you know, places where you can go just stick your head under the waterfall and get refreshed, right? And so as we think about that picture really of just an oasis in the wilderness, right? That's going to help us understand some of what we're going to see today in a few passages in our reading for revival from the Bible today as we talk about feasting in the wilderness or maybe just this idea of an oasis or refreshment in the wilderness. And we want to start today with Psalm 63 as we finish this psalm. And remember the setting for this psalm, it says there a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. And it may very well be that this is written during some of the events we're going to read about when we get to 1 Samuel and we see David in the wilderness of Judah. But uh, David was not in the wilderness of Judah for whatever reason. It wasn't vacation. It it was probably uh, something that was hard, something that was difficult, something that was intense. That's the reason why he was there. And we saw yesterday how he talks about how he is thirsting for God and how he meditates on God. Kind of in his mind, he goes to the sanctuary and thinks about the power of God. He thinks about the glory of God. He thinks about the steadfast love of God that is better than life. And uh, it talks about how he will bless God. Well, look what he gets to now, starting in verse five, where he says, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips, right? If I were to take you today to the wilderness of Judah, and I'd say, man, here's a a verse in the Bible that talks about the wilderness of Judah, and it talks about feasting and praising God with joyful lips, you'd probably be a little bit confused. But it's not the circumstances that have got David praising God. It's his trust and his remembrance. Look at what he says next. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, right? Probably times where David 
might not be able to sleep well because he's concerned about what's going on, why he's in the wilderness, or he might not be sleeping because he's up on watch uh, for his enemies or for King Saul and his his armies coming to get him. But he is redeeming those times to meditate on God and specifically on how God has helped him. Verse seven, for you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. And that's what he's remembering. He's remembering, God, you have been my help. And even though I'm out here in the wilderness, I'm also tucked safely away in the shadow of your wings. And because of that, I will sing for joy. And you might be able to see the ways how this might connect with your own life. I think all of us know what it's like to be up at night, be up at night, tossing and turning, be up at night, uh, thinking about things that are heavy on our minds or heavy on our hearts. And we don't know what to do and we're concerned or we're anxious. Well, here, and that might be the wilderness for us, right? Uh, where, Where we're feeling alone in those moments. But we can follow David's example here. And hopefully in those moments, we remember God and we meditate on him in the watches of the night. And specifically, when we find ourselves in a place where it's like, man, I need help. We start remembering all the ways God has been our help. Because you might be able to look back and uh, think of times that have been hard. You might be able to look back and think of times that you have failed, but this I can guarantee you, you will not be able to look back and find a time when God failed. He doesn't fail. And so you should be able to look back and remember, God has been my help. And right now I am looking to him and I am I am tucked away in safety with him. And so I can sing for joy, even though I can't sleep, or even though it feels like I'm in the wilderness, or even though I'm going through a hard time. And David has this confidence in God, and he has a confidence that, you know what, God is going to take care of the people that are out to get me. And so we've seen this kind of written in a song that David wrote, that he is trusting in God. He's remembering how God has helped him. He's trusting with God to deal with the people that are out to get him. And then we see a lot of this lived out now as we go to 1 Samuel 22 through 24. And in this passage, again, we're just seeing David on the run. Uh, Chapter 22 is just a tragic chapter as Saul kind of goes and orders all of the priests to be killed, right? He is so um, insecure and and really fighting against what God has now decreed that he is willing to stoop to wiping out a whole town, a town that was full of the priests um, because of his vengeance, because of his anger. Uh, I mean, this is just wicked and sinful. But one of the priests of Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, he escapes And he goes and he joins David. And we're going to see that's actually a good thing because David then gains an ephod. And that was one of the ways through some of these priestly clothing and kind of a system that appears somewhat like casting lots that they were able to inquire of the Lord and seek his wisdom. And we see David doing that, but we see just tragedy in 22 and we see how that affects David, where David even just feels guilty that, man, this is, this is partly my fault. 
And then he goes into chapter three and he saves this city. And then he asks God, wait, is this, are the people of this city going to give me over to Saul, this city that he just saved from the Philistines? And the answer is yes, they're going to give you over to Saul. And then Saul is pursuing David. I mean, this is just a rough time. And so you can see David probably felt like he was in the wilderness in more ways than one. Um, But one bright spot that we see is just a great model of Christian friendship. When David is in the wilderness, when David is discouraged, uh, Jonathan goes to him and says, do not fear. This is chapter 23, verse 17. Do not fear for the hand of Saul, my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father also knows this, right? And sometimes uh, we need a friend. And sometimes we need to be a friend. And that's when we have a friend that is struggling. We need to go to them and remind them of the promises of God. That's really what Jonathan is doing here. And there's times where we need a friend to come and remind us of the promises of God. But we see David, even in the midst of all these struggles, clearly has faith in God. And we see that faith especially lived out in chapter 24, where David is hiding into a cave and Saul goes into the cave to use the restroom, basically. And uh, all of David's men are like, this is your moment. Kill Saul. We can stop running. But David, he says, no, this is the person that God has made king. And I know God is going to make me king, but I'm going to let God decide that on his time. I'm not going to take it on my time. And it seems that this is honored as a wise decision here. And I think it's coming from a place of trust in God. Even again, look at the contrast between Saul and David. Saul, he wants to take everything into his own hands so much so that he's going to wipe out a village of priests. Um, David, on the other hand, he is going to leave things in God's hands so much so that he will not uh, raise his, his hand to strike King Saul. And so that's a pretty amazing testimony. And I want us to see that contrast of Saul taking things into his own hands versus David leaving things in God's hands. And how does he do it? Well, that kind of gets us back to Psalm 63. He's remembering God has been my help. God's delivered me every time I've needed help. So you know what? He's going to now, and he doesn't need me to try to speed things along uh, by taking things into my own hand in a sinful way. So I hope Psalm 63 and 1 Samuel 22 and 20 through 24 really come together as they kind of are pieces of a puzzle uh, joining together. And I hope that they really uh, encourage us today and encourage us to remember God, how he has always helped us, how he always will, that we can sing for joy in the shadow of his wings. And when it comes to some of these other things, we don't need to take matters um, into our own hands. Well, let's go to the New Testament now. And I think in both passages today, we're going to see some things that help us think about how we interact with other believers. And first, we have a very short reading in Mark chapter 9, verses 38 through 41, where basically John, one of the disciples, says to Jesus, hey, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not stop him for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterwards to speak 
evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. And I think this speaks to something that we need to watch out for in our own Christian lives, uh, whether it's with other Christians at our church, or I think maybe sometimes where something like this might come up is when you look at other Christians that aren't a part of your particular congregation. And you can start to almost have an attitude of, well, hey, they they don't do things the same way I do things. Therefore, hey, they need to stop it. And this is where we need to think really carefully as Christians, because on the one hand, we see calls throughout scripture to stand for the truth, right? And that there will be false teaching that needs to be opposed and corrected. And so we need to do that at the right times. But we also, on the other hand, need to realize there are some tendencies within us where we can basically get a little provincial and we can start to, you know, nitpick smaller things that aren't really doctrinal issues and really think, hey, if somebody's not doing things my way or a part of my church, well, then I don't know what's going on with them. And that's where we should guard ourselves against some of those thoughts. And we should be praying even for other Christians, for other churches. And really also, I think this is where where it's helpful for all of us to remember, hey, we're going to stand before Christ and we want to make sure that we are doing what is right in Christ's eyes. So yes, there is a time to stand for the truth and for doctrine, but there's also a time where we need to just heed the words of Jesus here and say, hey, somebody is doing something and they're doing it clearly for the Lord. Um, And hey, we should be cheering those people on because they are on the same team as us. Uh, Another issue that can come up just within uh, churches, we again get back to 1 Corinthians 8. And here, remember yesterday, we saw this issue of meat sacrificed to idols. And Paul kind of goes off on, hey, I know that idols are nothing. And so it doesn't really make a difference what has happened to this meat. It's meat. I'll eat it. And it's going to help my body. And it doesn't matter if it was sacrificed to an idol because idols aren't real. But he starts our reading today in verses 7 through 13 of 1 Corinthians 8 with the word, however. And he goes on to basically say, not everyone understands this. And even specifically talks about people that were saved out of kind of an idolatrous background. And so this meat sacrifice to an idol is a real stumbling block to them. Uh, that they that It's not helpful for them and it kind of goes against their conscience. And that's where he says, hey, even though I know this, I will willingly give up eating meat if it's going to cause my brother to stumble. And notice the language that's used there. Uh, You know how he says in verse 11, and so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. You see, Paul loves his brothers and he views his brothers as, hey, this is somebody that Christ died for. When we are dealing with maybe what we would think of as gray area issues like this, we want to have that same mindset of my brother that I'm talking about here. This is somebody Christ died for and I love them. And the last thing that I would want to do is to do something that would hurt them or hurt their conscience, right? And so eat sacrifice. Meat sacrifice to idols might not be the issue today, uh, but you might think about, you know, hey, watching this movie or uh, drinking this beverage, right? These might be things that, hey, this is not sin for me to do, but hey, I've got my brother over here that they're with me. And if I do this 
even based on their background, that might not be helpful to them. And even Paul talks about this right. And I think that's something what we need to also think carefully about as Christians, because we see Paul at different times, especially, you know, when he's working with governments and on trial, we see Paul utilize his rights several times, especially in Acts. But we also see times where Paul is saying, no, I'm laying down my rights. And it seems that the motive in those times when he's laying down his rights is love for his brothers. So may we kind of take some lessons from Mark and 1 Corinthians today as we think about how we interact with other Christians. And ultimately, may our trust be in God. May we sing for joy in the shadow of his wings as we find a feast in the wilderness. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to be with you.